Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center's Sermon of the Week. You can discover more about our church, pastors, and special guests at hvwc.com. We hope that you are blessed by today's message. Um, this is a season where we need to get rooted and grounded um, um, in this concept that we have for this year, which is that we are going to be taking territory through synergy. Um, you know, the Apostle John said that the whole world is under the sway of the wicked one. That the enemy has territory. And, and, and Paul said to the church in Corinth in his second letter that there is this place where the hearts, hearts are hardened to hear because there's a veil over their eyes to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. But God has a plan. And he has a plan through us under the, the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to love people, to be like Jesus in such a manner that they encounter the goodness of God because it's life on life. Spirit to spirit. It is not just that I did a good thing for somebody because how many of you know that's what the world does? The world knows that it is good to do good things for people, but that is not the good news of Jesus Christ. Doing a good thing for somebody is a good thing. That doesn't make it the gospel. Okay. What does make it the gospel is that we can do that in Jesus' name that we're able to do some things that maybe we weren't even able to do before we met Jesus. We can live a lifestyle that is different because of Jesus working in us. We're able to have a joy in us that wasn't there before because of Jesus, right? Like there's God working in us that actually produces a much greater fruit. And you know what's amazing is when we come together, it is explosive, the people who turned the world upside down have come to our town. That's a problem for those who don't want to be turned upside down, right? The reality is, is as believers, I believe many of us in Western Christianity have lost the power that is behind holiness. We have lost the power behind being set apart for the will of God, for the work of God. A couple of weeks ago, I really laid the gauntlet down. Like there are things that are in your life that are unholy and we need to get rid of them. And it was a very, very tough message. And we had a moment where, where we put a basket, like we put a basket saying, okay, write down what it is that you're going to give to the Lord. And then you, you put it on some piece of paper and you dropped it in this little covered basket. And, and I never looked at a single one. I literally took it into the office and we shredded them because that's between you and Jesus. Nobody cares. But I couldn't shed, shred the package of cigarettes. Okay. Somebody had put a box of cigarettes in there. And, and let me tell you, that was two weeks, two Sundays ago, and they haven't had a cigarette. Yeah. Why? Because there was, a, there was a power of the Holy Spirit in them that said, I can actually live differently than my passions, than the flesh would want me to. And we spent a lot of time last week about the fact that Jesus in you is what creates a lifestyle change. You don't change your lifestyle out of willpower or desire. And, and unfortunately, in today's world, everyone is defined by what you want. 
That does not define you. What you desire, what you're passionate about, what you desire does not define who you are. What defines who you are is what God has said about you. And that hopefully you've heard him say, son. You've heard him say, daughter. You've heard him call you by your name and you know that you are his. There's nothing greater about the spirit of God in you than confirming that you are a son or a daughter of God. Today, we're going to talk about the spirit on you, the spirit on you. And I believe very strongly that a group of holy people will change the region. A group of people who have been set apart. The word holy means set apart. It means that they've been set aside for a special purpose. And they, they maybe even are sanctified. They're, they're made through a process. They are made set apart. They are made holy for the sake of changing the world around them. I wish it was just for me. It would be much easier if I could just have me and Jesus time all the time and that was it. He actually wants that time with me so that I'm empowered to spread and pour out. It's not just about me and Jesus. It's also about impact and how God wants us to powerfully transform the world around us. And there is synergy in holiness. There's synergy with God, you and God. We talked about that. The Holy Spirit in you. There's a synergy. Synergy is when you bring two things that are separate and on their own, they do certain things. But when you put them together, they do something um, that, that actually multiplies. It becomes bigger, more powerful, stronger together than it is apart, right? And so, so we talk about this concept of taking territory through synergy. We believe that if we come together and we minister together and we, and we worship together and we pray together and we do these things together, that it's actually far more powerful than if I just do it by myself on my own. In fact, in Luke 10, Jesus sends everyone out two by two because there was more power in them together than just by themselves. Right? So, <clears throat> I believe there's synergy with God. There's synergy with the body of Christ. And I believe that a group of holy people will change this region. Now, from Adam and Eve, God has been restoring the world through the process of sacrifice and sanctification. He's been restoring the world back to being set apart from its sinful, broken nature into a place where it can enter into his presence. And that was done through the shedding of innocent blood. Right? We see this at Adam and Eve. Right? They sinned in the, in the garden and God provided with them to cover them a lamb's skin. That lamb had to die. There was a sacrifice that God did himself, sacrificed an animal in order to cover the nakedness and the shame and the sin of Adam and Eve. They thought they could use a fig leaf to cover. And, uh, and God said, no. No, actually, I told you there would be death, that you would die. And they did die spiritually. They were separated from God. And in that moment, he killed an innocent animal in order to cover their sin. He's been doing that ever since the beginning. And of course, you know, God changed this process in Jesus Christ. Because now we see that in Christ, his blood was shed for our sins for the sake of the penalty of death. But even... More than the forgiveness of sin, his blood makes a way for us to become sons and daughters of God. Hallelujah. Amen. It is amazing. We get adopted into the family of God. This is amazing. It is absolutely beautiful. 
Can we just take a moment in our lives to consider for ourselves, ourselves, souls, consider for ourselves. Thanks, Charlene. She laughed so hard she spittled. It was great. But let's take a moment for ourselves to consider him, his sacrifice, what he has done for us. We're not taking communion this week. That'll happen next week. But let's consider the sacrifice that he made for us and let gratitude fill your heart because everything we talk about from here on out is on this foundation of the blood of Jesus having forgiven us and washed us and cleansed us. So just take a moment. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, it's in Christ that we are forgiven and set free so that we may know God personally. Not just know about Him, but know Him. He is a personal, personal God. Now, we see this played out in Romans Click the next slide for me. Thank you, Kira. Romans 8, 14 through 17 says this. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. This is the Spirit working in us. As we are in Christ, it causes our lives to be different, to be set apart. We become holy as sons and daughters of God because we've been adopted as sons and daughters. The blood of Jesus made a way for you to be a son of God, to be a daughter of God. There is no good reason why you should not know Jesus. There is no good reason for you not to be encountering Him. He made a way for you. That doesn't cost you anything. It's a free gift. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to do anything. You receive that. Now, of course, let me just be clear. Because it's a free gift doesn't mean that when you receive it, it doesn't cost you something. Because it's all his at this point. There's this, um, there's this um, doctrine of what's called antinomianism. And what that doctrine says is that you can make Jesus your Savior, but not your Lord. What? Exactly. Yeah, What? There's a doctrine, right? A false teaching that says that you can make Jesus your Savior, but not your Lord. See, and I think that we've done a horrible job of saying, pray a prayer and you're fine. Because then I can go do whatever I want because I'm in Christ now, right? We know Romans 6 is very clear. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. Right? Like he's clear. Like, nope, that's not how it works. 
Just a cursory reading (laughs) says no, but when you make Him Lord, it costs you something. You must crucify the flesh with its passions and desires. That's not fun. It costs something, right? But the beautiful thing is everything He asks for, He gives you back in spades. Everything, like everything that you're like, I don't want to give that up. Like you have no idea the blessing in store for you. It's because you haven't quite fully grasped how good this God is yet. Now the Spirit of God in you, because this is what happens, you get saved. You say, yes, Lord, I give my life to you. And he comes and and fills you and comes inside of you and begins to work on you. and, And the Spirit of God is working in you. One of the fruits of the Spirit of God working in you is that He is sanctifying you. He is making you holy. He is setting you apart. And this is why some of us battle with sin and we battle with temptation because God's trying to set us apart, but we're still addicted to that thing. We still want that other thing. We're, we're, we're in the boat trying to, trying to not let Him be Lord. Come on now. That, I mean, that's just how it is. So we've talked a lot about the Spirit in you. This week, I want to talk about the Spirit on you. Now, I really want to do um, this justice. And so we're going to look at a couple of Old Testament examples of the Spirit on someone. right? Both Because God doesn't change who He is. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you know, what's really cool is like in the Old Testament, we see models and images and pictures of what's to come in the New Testament. One of the things that we see happen is that there were men and women of God that the Holy Spirit would rest on for a specific purpose, right? If they, they got it, he was trying to do something, so he'd come and rest on them, and they, then they would have to go, they'd go do something. Whatever that thing was, they would go do it, right? And so we see this happen in a couple of different people, right? And you know what's funny? Like the two examples I have for you today, we might relate to more than we should because these are people that were set apart for the work of God, anointed for a work, and yet they chose not to live holy lives. They chose to do their own thing instead. So the first one I got is Samson, okay? Go ahead and click that over. We got Samson. He's in Judges 14 through 17. Here's some notes on Samson. He was very strong, okay? He was known as being very strong. He was born into a Nazarite vow. What that meant is that he couldn't cut his hair. He couldn't taste alcohol. He couldn't touch a dead thing, okay? There were certain things that he was required to do and not be defiled, right? Let me just say, Samson from a young age defiled himself. He broke his Nazarite vow, and, and, and it's funny because... Uh, he gets like this lion springs up on him and young lion attacks him and he like tears the carcass, like tears it in half because the dude's the dude. You know, like, what's up, lion? Chunk, you know, like, that's crazy strong. So he, he then comes back later and he finds a honeycomb hanging inside the carcass of a dead lion. Now you cannot eat, that's unclean. In a rotting carcass, bees are going in and out, and he pulls honey out of a rotting dead carcass, and he feeds it to his family. Not just defiling himself, but he's also defiling others. I wouldn't say this is like my model man of God. 
He also failed often in his lust for Delilah. I think that's what we know most often. I, I had the privilege of uh, my daughter, uh, oldest daughter, Bailey, was living in Georgia and she was graduating and I got to stay at the house um, of this really sweet old couple and he was bald and his wife would shave his head, right? Every morning, just give him a little clean cut and he'd run around, Delilah, Delilah, come shave my head, you know, it was the best. It was the best. I was just cracking up because this old guy's running around yelling for Delilah. It was great. So, but um, Delilah cut Samson's hair, right? Because there was a weakness that Samson had. He never gave it to the Lord. And one of those weaknesses was his lust for Delilah. Now, what's really interesting is that he would have superhuman strength and he would use that superhuman strength to defeat the Philistines many times. That was his purpose. And guess what? He still fulfilled his purpose, even with all his garbage. Now, the second one, Saul. Saul was the first king of Israel. He had several encounters with the Spirit of God. Before he was ever king, he was anointed to be king. But before that, he's looking for his father's donkeys. I love this story. He's looking for his father's donkeys and he's running around and, and, and all of a sudden he runs into the man of God, Samuel, the greatest prophet in all the history of Israel, right? So Samuel's like, hey, I'm going to set up a feast for you. You're the next king. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. This is crazy. So he goes, sits at this feast and on his way home, he's like, I still got to find the donkey, right? Because my dad's mad. I got to go find the donkey. And so he leaves to go find the donkey and he runs into a group of prophets, runs into a group of the sons of the prophets. Now, okay, now I know there are school of ministries now, but this was schools of ministry for the Old Testament, okay? This was a bunch of guys that were following the prophet, being trained by the prophet, carrying the mantle of the prophet. If you didn't know what the sons of the prophets meant, that it was a school, <laughs> right? These were the disciples of a prophet, were the sons of the prophets. So the prophet <clears throat> sends them to go meet the sons of the prophets, and Saul starts prophesying, comes in the presence of God, and suddenly the Spirit of God is on him, and he starts prophesying. Of course, we see this later as well. It happens again to him later in his life, right? We know that he met a group of prophets as a boy. We know that as king, he had a, it says that he was tormented by a spirit from God. What? From God. This spirit would come upon him and guess what he would do? He would be tormented and he would prophesy. Pretty crazy. And then Saul, of course, you know, he's, he's angry at the shepherd boy who's played the harp to calm him down and slayed Goliath and clearly is his successor and God's anointed to take over the throne. And Saul's a little paranoid, okay? So he starts chasing down David. And the one time he's seeking to kill David, he runs into prophets and he prophesies this time for a whole 24 hours and he's stripped naked as the king prophesying. That's embarrassing, okay? It's embarrassing. But the point was, is that he was God's anointed who did not do all the, he ends up dying in shame because he did not do the things that God asked him to do. He would take matters into his own hands to worship God. He took, he took a sacrificial role, a role of, of offering a sacrifice from the, the prophet and the priest and he takes it upon himself to do it and God says, I'm done with you. 
That's not your role. So Saul and Samson, both broken men who failed miserably, and yet the Spirit of God would rest on them for His purposes. For His purposes. People say, how can, how can some of these mega church pastors and some of these really famous preachers uh, fall? How can they fall when they move so powerfully in the power of God? How is it possible? Well, I think that there's something that happens where they forget to fear God. And that's why actually Jim Baker said that. He said, I love Jesus. I forgot to fear God. It's amazing to me because these men were called. They were chosen by God. They were set apart. Because they didn't fear God, they chose to do things by their own power. But you know what's funny? God still fulfilled his purposes. You know, we see the Spirit of God come upon many people in the Old Testament. We see prophets. Uh, we see we see prophets over and over and over again. We see judges over and over again where the Spirit of God would come on them. And they would do my thing, Elijah, Elisha. You know, I mean, I could tell story after story after story. Um, but then comes Jesus. So we get this Old Testament model. Pre, this is under the law. And now we're going to see it under grace. So now we see Jesus come on the scene. Right? You can go ahead and click to that next slide. Jesus comes on the scene and we begin to see a major shift in how God comes upon his servants. The literal model that God gave us is Jesus. He is our perfect model for what it means to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes, he is God. And yet Philippians tells us very clearly that he did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. He did not. When he was, when he was man, he never stood in the power of being God. He always humbled himself, taking the form of a servant, not as the, a king with all authority. He came as a servant to model for us, to show us the Father. He came as a perfect example for us. And we see at his baptism in John chapter 1, verses 32 and 33, it says, John bore witness saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. Say, upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. See, in the Old Testament, we see people that are used by God despite their sin and brokenness. And in the New Testament, under the New Covenant, we see God making them whole. Changing the man. Changing the woman, shifting them, moving them. We see God filling them, pouring out on them and using them. Jesus, of course, is that perfect example. He's the model for the Holy Spirit coming upon and remaining upon someone who is set apart. He's the example, Peter says... He is the example that you should follow and walk in his steps. Now, Jesus does his ministry on earth. He lives this example out. He, 
he does all of this stuff. And, and what's amazing to me is that at the end of it, you know, he rises from the dead, but then he has this meeting with his disciples. Okay. And when he has this, I mean, next slide, when he has this meeting with his disciples, right? He's risen from the dead. He takes a moment and he commissions his disciples to do the work of ministry. It says, Jesus said to them again, peace to you as the father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Say, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Jesus has not ascended into heaven. We have not experienced the day of Pentecost. That's a different experience. But Jesus goes to the disciples and goes, <sighs> breathes on them. And they receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, now check this out. Breathes on them and they receive the Holy Spirit. No, they receive the Holy Spirit. First time ever we see men receiving the Holy Spirit. Not resting on, but receiving. This is what we talked about last week. Now the Spirit was inside of them. Working in them. Producing the fruit of the Spirit. Causing them to have a different want to. Their want to changed. Their want to changed. Instead of like, this is the thing, like, how do you know you're saved? Are you battling against the temptation? Then you're probably saved. Because you got a different want to. You don't want to. Now, you might need some help, but you don't want to. Come on, amen. That was a good sigh of relief I heard right there, sir. Come on. Amen. Hallelujah. See, see, the Spirit came in them, and they had a new want to. They had this Spirit now making the Scriptures alive. It says in Acts chapter 1 that they had opened up the Scriptures, and they were receiving revelation from heaven as they were pouring over the Scriptures. Like, there's Jesus in Exodus. There's Jesus in the wilderness. There's Jesus in the... They're finding Jesus all over the Scriptures. And they're just mind-blown. Right? Why? The Spirit was making it alive. Whoo, the Spirit made the Scriptures alive to the apostles because whew, He breathed on them. Yeah, that's good. But Jesus said there was more than that. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. I might, I might, I might bust somebody's baptism of the Holy Spirit button bubble, whatever it is today. But I want us to pay attention because there was a prophecy about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There was a prophecy about the Spirit that would come upon the sons and daughters of God, right? After the Messiah came. Now, I did a whole, I think, 12 weeks in the book of Joel. I have thoroughly gone over this text. It is available for you at the sermon archive online at our website, okay? You can just click on Joel and then boom, all the sermons are there. You can feel free to go over it. And I went through the entire book on the prophet Joel in great detail. It was the first series I did um, starting in 21, okay? Now, 
Joel chapter 2. Go ahead and hit that next slide. Thank you. Oh, you know what? You know, can you grab my big giant black Bible off my desk for me, honey? Um, I want to read this to you. I'm going to read out of the New King James Version um, because I think this is really important. I actually have several texts. If you have your Bibles, open up to Joel chapter 2, and then you can also maybe bookmark that and go to Acts chapter 2. We're going to be in both places real, real briefly because we are talking about the Spirit resting upon us. And this was prophesied according to the prophet Joel, according to the word of the Lord. Okay. Joel chapter 2. Here we go. I'm going to start reading in verse 25. So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust. I spent a whole week just trying to figure out what a locust is. All right. My great army, which I sent among you, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dwelt wondrously with you and my people shall never be put to shame. That's so important. What's that sound like? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. Romans 8 verse 1. My people will not be put to shame. There is no condemnation. Hallelujah. Then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God, and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. Verse 28, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire, pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the remnant whom the Lord calls. What's amazing about this is it doesn't prophesy the Spirit's going to be poured out until I finish a book. That, I mean, that's strong current theology in America that the spirit being poured out prophesying visions miracles signs wonders healings is not for today because the book's finished that's I have yet to find that in the scriptures I haven't found it I haven't found it because the the one passage says when that which is perfect has come right all teaching will cease all prophecy will cease tongues will cease when that which is perfect has come, do you need teaching today? Okay, we'll just leave it there. This, that which is perfect is talking about the return of Jesus. Okay, great. All right. Thank you. That's all I got to say about that. Um, now, let's, this, this passage, of course, is quoted by, by Peter on the day of Pentecost. Let's flip on over to Acts, okay? We're going to go to Acts chapter 2. 
All right. When the day of Pentecost, verse 1, had fully come, they were all with one accord. One accord. They were with one accord. Ha ha. They were in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and one sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Okay. We see then that the Spirit came upon the disciples. Literally, it said it rested on them and it looked like flames of fire. They're speaking in tongues. They're acting crazy. It's nine in the morning and everyone's like, they're loaded. These guys are not, I mean, these guys are crazy, but they're speaking craziness in my own language. Pretty wild, right? They're having this encounter at this outpouring of the Holy Spirit and they're prophesying and they're speaking things that are in the hearts of people that no one would ever know. It's pretty cool. But that wasn't the only time this happened. Did you know that? This wasn't the only time that the Spirit was poured out. Listen, did these apostles have the Holy Spirit? They did. Why? Jesus breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And then he says, wait in Jerusalem. Wait in Jerusalem because I have a promise for you. I'm going to send to you the Holy Spirit. So they had received the Holy Spirit. The Spirit had changed their want to. And then he says, but wait, there's more. Right? Best infomercial of all time. Okay? Best infomercial because he's like, wait in Jerusalem and then you're going to receive power. High voltage power from on high. We see that the amazing thing to me about this is that we see it happen over and over and over again in the New Testament. And in fact, we get an instruction from Paul to keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. So, listen, Acts chapter 8. Revival breaks out in Samaria with Philip, right? Acts 8, 14 says, Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, say word of God. Philip is preaching his heart out. People are getting saved. They're getting dunked in water. They're receiving the Holy Spirit. They've got a new, they're becoming new creations. They're getting saved. This is great. They're getting saved. But listen to this. He says, when they came down, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. What? They're getting baptized in water. What else do you need? Well, the apostles thought they needed something more. They said, as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. I'm surprised that was left in the text. Only, only, come on now. They had only been baptized in the name, like this is the scripture. They had only been baptized in the name of Lord Jesus. In our current culture today, there's nothing, there's no greater, that. like listen, I'm not diminishing salvation at all, right? We, we, this is our mission. This is our goal, make disciples. But salvation is the door that gets you in the kingdom, It's not the whole kingdom. 
It's the doorway that gets you in. Now, what does God have for you now that you're in? See, the apostles are like, you've been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's it? You've given your life to Jesus. That's it? You've only been baptized? In the, well, we're going to pray for you that you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. These are the fathers of our faith doing this. They laid hands on them in verse 17 and they received the Holy Spirit. Then, of course, we see this is in Samaria. And then we have this amazing encounter between Cornelius and Peter. Cornelius being, you know, Roman centurion and having this like devout lifestyle and trying to be as holy as he can. And, and he honored the Lord and the Lord is pleased with Cornelius. And, and Peter has this vision of all the defiled things saying, oh, don't, don't call it unholy if I've made it holy. If I've set it apart, it's not for you to say, right? And of course, Peter's getting prepared to let the gospel of Jesus Christ to go from the Jews into the Gentiles, right? And so we see at Cornelius's house, they connect through angels and dreams and they show up and, and they meet. And, um, and it says that, verse 44, while Peter was still, and this is in Acts 10, sorry, Cornelius's house, Acts 10, 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. Say. So, the Holy Spirit fell upon, fell upon all those who heard the word and those of the circumcision who believed, who were the Jews who believed, were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Peter's like, listen, if they're, if they're receiving the Holy Spirit, we cannot withhold the water. Like, God already talked to me in a dream about this. I can't declare that that's unholy because this is God. Right? So they go baptize them in water. Praise God. I, I can't wait to watch that video. Get to heaven, watch the DVR. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Yep, yep. I want, I want to see Cornelius' house. I want to see the revival that broke out there. I want, to see, I want to see the weeping of people encountering a living God for the first time who, who, who through their entire life desired so much. Cornelius and his entire household wanted to honor the Lord and they did everything, but they weren't chosen. They, weren't of the, they knew that. They knew that they could never actually be with God because they weren't of his chosen people. And for God to show up and say, you're my sons, you're my daughters for the first time to people who never thought they could ever have it. It's just like, I can't wait to see their faces. I can't wait to cry and weep over the joy of that moment with them. Because I'll be hanging out with Cornelius. I'll get a first-hand testimony. Wow. So jump with me to Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. Paul is in Ephesus. Paul is doing his missionary journeys, and he comes to Ephesus. And we see this uh, interaction where he found some disciples in verse 1. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Isn't it interesting that the priority of the apostle in evangelism found some people who believed in the baptism of repentance and John's baptism, 
Like, oh, okay, so then they understood more clearly about Jesus great and the, that I could be in Christ great. But the, he doesn't stop there. Like, have you experienced the Holy Spirit? Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? This was a top priority of Paul. He runs into the disciples, first question he asks. This isn't the close, this is the open. For you salespeople out there. He said then, you know, what were you baptized into John's baptism? Paul says in verse 4, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to, them, to the people that they should believe on him who had come after him, that is on Christ. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. The Spirit comes upon us. And yes, we have the Holy Spirit in us, breathed by Jesus at salvation. He has given us a new life, empowered by the Spirit. And yet, we are to be pursuing spiritual gifts earnestly, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians 14. He tells us to pursue and desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So, so Paul's giving instructions to the church all across the world, saying, hey, those crazy gifts, keep, go, keep going after that. That's good. I, he, Paul says, I pray in tongues more than all of you. I wish that you spoke in tongues as much as I did because there was, there was something about this encounter with the Holy Spirit that set them apart. It sets them apart. It makes them holy and set apart for the work of ministry. In Ephesians 5.18, it says, don't be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. You can go ahead and hit that next slide for me. Thank you. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is both immersive, allowing you to take on a new form internally as holy, but it is also an empowerment to do those things that are supernatural through the Spirit's power, leading, and direction. I love 1 Corinthians 12 that that. It was like each of these gifts operates, right? As the Spirit gives utterance, there is this, this understanding that I don't get to manipulate my gift for the will of God. I am obedient to the will of God and He will use the gifts that He gives through me. Now, every gift can be manipulated. Did you know that? Have you ever seen anybody manipulate the gift of teaching to teach falsely? Yep. Have you ever, okay, I'll answer for you. Okay. Have you, have you ever, have you ever seen anyone uh, manipulate the gift of preaching and using maybe guilt and condemnation in order to produce a, a, a good fruit instead of an actual, like, like the message of the gospel? They preached hell so hard that you you were afraid for your life and you didn't know heaven. We've all seen that. I, I you know, I think about like the generosity teaching, the giving teaching, and how manipulative that can be, right? See, people can use their gifts in the wrong way. Anybody ever heard of a psychic? Sometimes. See, God, the scripture says that the gifts of God are irrevocable. Now, now, let me tell you what's really amazing. I believe that so many people have been gifted by God at birth 
to be seers, to be prophets, to have all of these things. And they tap into the spiritual alignment of the devil. And then they use that for self and they use it for their own purposes because that's the goal of the enemy is for you to use demonic and witchcraft and all that stuff for your purposes. But I'll tell you, something's crazy. When you see a witch get saved, because they know, they know what's what. Suddenly they're operating under the spirit of God it's powerful. You see this, they'll break through things. They'll see things. They'll shatter through um, boundaries that have been there before. It's amazing. I have several witches that I pray for consistently that live right here in this town. And I'm praying that they get saved. Why wouldn't we pray for them to get saved? Come on now. Come on. Let's get rid of that judgment thing, please. God wants to use them. He wants it to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Not by a demon. Now, what's really amazing to me is that though all the gifts can be manipulated, he still gives them. But let me tell you what. This is why having the Spirit on you is so important. Because if you don't have the Spirit on you, if you're not walking with the Spirit, being aware of the Spirit in your life, if you're not walking under the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, you will use your gifts to your own ends and not even realize you're doing it. I've seen it happen. Dennis, I'm sure you've seen it happen. And it breaks your heart. It breaks your heart to see it, especially with people who are really gifted. It just breaks your heart to go, wow, they were so close and yet so far away. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that as we prophesy, as we pray, as we minister healing, as we're listening carefully for what the Lord wants to do, we're only doing what He asks us to do. We're only doing what He asks us to do. It's very easy for us to do a lot of things that we think is a good idea, like Saul. Mm, I want to sacrifice something to the Lord. I'll do it myself. It's not what God asked them to do. Come on, right? So we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to have the Spirit resting on us. And one of the beautiful things that we see in the New Testament is that um, they would judge the words. They judge the prophetic words, right? In the New Testament, they judge it, right? There was correction brought to people. Right? It was never meant to be a free-for-all. Anybody willy-nilly do whatever you want. It's under authority. Right? So praise God for that. Right? That there's safety and structure in the body of Christ to make sure that if someone strays, they can be brought back right? in alignment. Somebody say amen. 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 All right? So let me just say this, just in case anybody's wondering. Just because you're gifted, you're not the healer. You're not the miracle. He's the miracle worker. He's the healer. He's the one who rests on us for the sake of the world around us. The Spirit is on you in order to be a holy set-apart witness. If that means that you, God gives you a word for somebody and you share it with them at Super One or at Walmart and you pray for them and they, like God heals that thing in them and they're like, I think I need to give my life to Jesus. Okay, come on in. Because we are aware 
with spiritual eyes because the Spirit is resting on us. We are able to minister to the hurt and the broken. God is going to rest on us for the sake of the lost, the broken, and the hurting in our world. That's why he came to rest on people, was for the sake of others, not just for your great encounter. And praise God for those. Praise God for those, but it's bigger. It's bigger. Amen? Amen. I'm going to read you some scriptures real quick as we close. Follow along with me. Here are Matthew 28. 18 through 20, Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Mark 16, 16 through 18. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. This is the words of Jesus, sorry. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. And they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Luke 24, 46 through 49. Then Jesus said to them, thus it is written and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day and that repentance and remissions of sin should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And Acts 1.8. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me. In Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The Holy Spirit is on you to set you apart. But it's not just for you. It is for the world around us. You become holy so that others can encounter the goodness of God. You are set apart. and Maybe God's gifted you in some supernatural way and we praise God for that. We'll celebrate that with you. But Can I just say, if you know that you're gifted in some way, learn how to use it in a way that is salt and light to the world around you. I've seen some people with great prophetic gifts and people can't stand them because they kind of don't know how to say it well. See, God didn't set us free to become jerks. God set us free so that we could become loving, whole, respectful, honoring restores of the broken restoring them back to their design by God to be whole again and the spirit of God wants to empower you and whatever that looks like for you today as between you and Jesus there's no pressure to perform but he wants to rest on you today he said I set you apart so that you can be a witness to the world that is lost and is broken. The Spirit of God came and empowered a group of people who when they entered into a town, they said, those who turned the world upside down have come here as well. And that's us. A group of holy people will change this region. 
If that's you, I want you to stand up and come in agreement with me today. If you believe that God is on your life and is supposed to set you apart, has set you apart, I just pray right now, let's have every head bow, eyes closed. We ask Holy Spirit that you would come in power, that you begin to flood us and fill us with your Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, that, that we see that you did it. <laughs> you did it in Acts chapter 2. You did it in Acts chapter 4, where, where you came and filled them and the house shook as they prayed. Father, I'm asking that you would pour out your spirit today and fill people. Just put your hand on your heart and ask the Holy Spirit to just come and fill you. Holy Spirit, come and fill. Just between you and the Lord, just ask him to come fill you. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, come. We give you the room, Holy Spirit. Have your way. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I felt a real, there are moments when I'll preach a message like this where I feel like the Lord wants the altars full and hands laid and people encountering this baptism. But I felt like this morning it needed to, needed to go, go in and root deep, really deep within you. Um, and so um, if you've struggled with this concept and you feel like there's more for you in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you're free to come up. I'm going to lay hands on, on whoever wants that. I'm free, going to lay hands on you this morning. Um, for those of you that are like, yes, I feel like the Lord is here and I'm, I'm full and I'm getting full and you don't need that great. But I think like if you want to be prayed for, feel free to come up and I, I'm happy to pray with you this morning. Um, and otherwise, we bless you we bless you to walk in power, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Yep, yep, in Jesus' name. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, go ahead, Kevin. I just wanted to say, I don't know about any other ones, but I'm pain-free right now. There's no pain in my joints. There's no pain in my knees. I mean, I, there's no way I could even thought about doing that this morning. I could hardly get out of bed. So, he heals. you. Thank you. Holy Spirit, come. Pray that you'd fill and overflow in Jesus' name. Fill and overflow in Jesus' name. Yeah, we just be cleansing over each person here. Just We just cleanse by the Holy Spirit and fill in Jesus' name. We just say, be filled in Jesus' name. Be filled with the Spirit in Jesus' name. Be filled with the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Be filled. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled fresh be renewed, be filled in Jesus' name, be filled with the Holy Spirit, be renewed and refreshed. Yep, for the sake of the world, God, light a fire, light a fire for the sake of the world. Yep, you will receive power as the Holy Spirit comes on you. I declare power in your hands, power in your hands in Jesus' name. Power, power, fire, fresh fire, fire, fresh fire in Jesus' name. Yep, be filled in Jesus' name. Yep, thank you, God. I just thank you, God. Thank you, God. You're the God that fills and overflows. Yep, yep. Yeah, we just wipe off all the, all the, uh, yeah. Guys, there's no shame. There's no condemnation in Jesus. We just, we just tell the accuser, 
you have to go in Jesus' name. Right? The accuser of the brethren comes and we say, go in Jesus' name. Go in Jesus' name. Go in Jesus' name. Tell the accuser to leave. You know the defense, the blood. My defense is the blood, not my behavior. My defense is the blood. So we just declare an absolute freedom over you. Freedom over you, man of God. Freedom over you, man of God. Yep, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled, be filled, be filled. Yep, yep, a whole new day for you. Yep, an empowerment in Jesus' name. Yep, we thank you, God. Father, we pray that you'd fill them in Jesus' name. Overflow your Holy Spirit. We just cleanse all the, all the garbage that's built up over the years. We just call it, just, we just wipe it off. The blood's good. The blood's good. The blood is, it's actually complete. It works. It's not partial. It does a complete work. So we just thank you for that. We just release freedom and healing over you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Just say, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you that, that every, everyone that comes to receive, receives. Wow, fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit on you in Jesus' name. Yep. <laughs> mm. Yep. Be filled. Be filled. Be filled. Be made whole. Yep. I, you know what's great about the Lord is all the broken places become whole. And then he gives us a new name. He says, you're not broken anymore. Walk in power. You're a mighty woman of God. Walk in power. Be renewed. Yep, we just renew you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on. Will you guys give God praise this morning? So, like... I feel like there's, there's more for each of you, but seek the Holy Spirit. He's the third member of the Trinity, even though the Trinity is really confusing, but he's the third member and he's real. And you can have real conversations. You can have a real discussion. You can, you can and ask him to fill you. Ask him to fill you. Amen? Amen. All right. Bless you. Thank you for joining us today. Harvest Valley Worship Center is called to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. If this message impacted you today, please let us know in a comment, or you can email us at media at hvwc.com. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to connecting with you.